Good morning and welcome. Actually, good evening and welcome to Walking with Jesus through the Word, one chapter per day. Most of our videos get released at 7 a.m., but this one is not getting released at 7 a.m. because of life. And so, good evening. It's day 506 of our journey through God's Word. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church, and we're in Acts chapter 19. So let's pray and ask the Lord's help as we turn to this portion of his word. Father, thank you for your word that is full of truth and the words of life. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who helps us to understand your word. We pray that your spirit would illuminate our minds to understand and our hearts to receive, uh, prepare in us the good soil to receive the seed of the word and bear fruit in our lives. We want to respond to your word with obedience, faith, trust, love, and we pray that you would speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 19. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what then were you baptized? They said, Into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of Jesus. On hearing this, hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all, and he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years, so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus, on the, over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this, but the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. And many of those who were now believers came, confessing and divulging their practices, and a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Now, after these events, 
Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must also see Rome. And having sent into Macedonia two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. About that time, there arose no little disturbance concerning the way. For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith, who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought no little business to the craftsmen. These he gathered together with the workmen in similar trades and said, Men, you know that from this business we have our wealth, and you see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a great many people, saying that gods made with hands are not gods. And there is danger, not only that this trade of ours may come into disrepute, but also that the temple of the great god Artemis may be counted as nothing, and that she may even be deposed from her magnificence, she whom all Asia and the world worship. When they heard this, they were enraged and were crying out, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! So the city was filled with the confusion, and they rushed together into the theater, dragging with them Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians, who were Paul's companions in travel. But when Paul wished to go in among the crowd, the disciples would not let him, and even some of the Asiarchs, who were friends of his, sent to him and were urging him not to venture into the theater. Now some cried out one thing, some another, for the assembly was in confusion. Most of them did not know why they had come together. Some of the crowd prompted Alexander, whom the Jews had put forward. And Alexander, motioning with his hand, wanted to make a defense to the crowd. But when they recognized that he was a Jew, for about two hours, they all cried out with one voice, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! And when the town clerk had quieted the crowd, he said, Men of Ephesus, who is there who does not know that the city of the Ephesians is the temple keeper of the great Artemis and of the sacred stone that fell from the sky? Seeing then that these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rash. For you have brought these men here who are neither sacrilegious nor blasphemers of our goddess, if therefore Demetrius and the craftsmen with him have a complaint against anyone, the courts are open, and there are proconsuls. Let them bring charges against one another. But if you seek anything further, it shall be settled in the regular assembly. For we really are in danger of being charged with rioting today, since there is no cause we can give to justify this commotion. And when he had said these things, he dismissed the assembly. Acts 19 is just a wonderful chapter because it shows us the ministry of the Apostle Paul in Ephesus, which becomes such a key city, really the hub of everything that's happening in Asia Minor. And also one of my favorite books of the Bible, Ephesians, is written to this city and then it's circulated as a circular letter throughout the seven major cities there in Asia Minor, which is in present-day Turkey. Now, what we find out is that Apollos has gone over to Corinth, and that background shows up in 1 Corinthians. But meanwhile, Paul 
has passed through the inland country of Asia Minor, present-day Turkey, and he comes to Ephesus. And there he finds that there are this group of disciples, about 12 people. They are disciples. They, they speak like Christians. They act like Christians. But when he asks them, like, have you received the Holy Spirit? They don't even know about the Holy Spirit. They don't know who the Holy Spirit is. And so he asks them further, what were you baptized into? You talk about being baptized. What was the baptism that you received? Because Christian baptism is in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's the, the uh, formula for baptism that were given by the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew 28. So if they had received Christian baptism, they would have been baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And of course, they would have had to know who the Holy Spirit was. That's why he asks them, into what then were you baptized as soon as he finds out that they've never even heard of the Holy Spirit. So they said John's baptism. This helps to clarify a, a very important biblical fact, and that is that John's baptism, the baptism of John the Baptist, is not the same as Christian baptism. The baptism of John the Baptist is a baptism of repentance, to confess your sins and to repent of your sin. And really it was a preparation for the coming of Jesus by turning away from sin and by and by pleading to God for a you know new fresh conscience but christian baptism is really a picture of union with Christ we're baptized in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit in the name of the triune god because christian baptism pictures that by faith in Jesus Christ we are brought into fellowship with the trinity with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So there is a big distinction to be made between John's baptism of repentance and Jesus's uh, Christian baptism in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, which pictures our union with Christ. And then we get to verses 9 and 10. We get to one of my favorite sections in the Bible for a very personal reason, and that is because of our partnership with the ministry Reaching Africa's Unreached in Uganda. There on the campus of RAU in Uganda, the teaching hall is called the Hall of Tyrannus. And it's called that after Acts 19.9. And I've had the privilege of going now five times and teaching in the Hall of Tyrannus there in northern Uganda. And the point of this is that if you teach the Word of God faithfully day by day, people can come, they can hear the Word of God, they can be discipled, they can be trained in the Word of God, and then they go back to where they came from because for two years Paul never left the hall of Tyrannus but at the end of two years all the residents of Asia had heard the word of the Lord both Jews and Greeks which means people were coming receiving going out and spreading the gospel and that's a great model for ministry if you have a teaching station uh, you can bring people in train them and send them out and that's a large part of what's done at reaching Africa's unreached. God was doing extraordinary miracles through the hands of Paul. You see these signs and wonders that are being done. And then we get this kind of funny story. I think it's funny. You have these seven Jewish exorcists. And they're dealing with a, a, an evil spirit that they can't seem to get out. <clears throat> and so they decide that they're going to appeal to Jesus, the Jesus whom Paul preaches because it seems to work for Paul, so let's go ahead and tap into this new power source. But they don't know Jesus. Jesus doesn't know them. 
They just heard about him through the Apostle Paul. They don't even know who they're talking about. And so the demon says, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And then this demon-possessed man over, overcomes seven brothers, and he drives them out of the house naked and wounded. Then this wonderful picture of repentance here in that these men who had practiced magic arts or men and women who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them. These were, these were not just to be sold. They didn't just say, well, let me sell my magic arts book in the marketplace and get my money back for it. They knew that these things were now evil and they were not going to go spreading them. And so they burned them. This is a case where, yes, some books are evil and some books should be burned. Did I say that? Does that make me a Nazi? No, <laughs> it's just a recognition that there is such a thing as good and evil and there are good books and there are evil books and there are books that are so evil that they get you in touch with demonic powers and they get you in touch with things that are absolutely forbidden by God and they just ought to be burned. Some books are just pornographic. Some books are just exploitive. So not all books are good just because they're books. I sometimes think we live in a culture that just worships books. Uh, but this is a book burning in the Bible, and it's a good thing. But it's not, they're not burning books that they just disagree with politically or that, you know, challenge their way of thinking. These are definitely, you know, books for practicing the magic arts, which is something that God explicitly condemns. So you have to be careful not to take this idea too far. So this is what happens. And the word of God continues to increase and prevail mightily. I love that in verse 20. Now, of course, everything's going so well, and the word of God is increasing and prevailing mightily. So pretty soon, the apostle Paul is going to be elected governor of Asia Minor, and there's going to be a Christian assembly that's running that whole part of the Roman Empire, because that's the way things go, right? No, that's not how things go. The word of God, when it truly increases and begins to prevail spiritually in an area, Satan fights back. Satan is not content to let go of people and to have his territory encroached upon. So there's this great contrast between these people who had their magic books burned and this guy, Demetrius, the silversmith, and who makes a lot of money. These books that were burned, when it says 50,000 pieces of silver or 50,000 drachmas, that's 50,000 daily wages or about five or six million dollars worth of magic arts books that are burned. So people who know Jesus are free from the love of money and are willing to sacrifice for the glory of God and for growth in Jesus. But if you don't know Jesus, held in the grip of sin, Money is really, really important to you. And so there's this nasty, horrible, long riot that takes place, and it is over the loss of business. Because Christianity is not good for the idol-making business. That's a sign of real revival. When Christian uh, truth takes deep root in a community, and it starts to really hurt the bottom line, of those businesses that exist to promote evil within a community. Um, and so the town clerk comes and finally quiets everything down. But this is just a great picture. You know, um, 
If Acts 18 in Corinth was a picture of just ordinary faithful Christian ministry and how a church can grow but it faces opposition, Acts 19 kind of takes it to the next level and this is a really abundant growth in the book in, in the city of Ephesus. But you realize that there's parallels, right? In both places, there was the daily faithful teaching of the word of God that was bearing fruit over time and there was growth and there was great opposition. This is how the gospel goes forth in the world. We should not be surprised by the opposition of the world. In fact, it should encourage us because it means that Satan's getting scared because we're doing something right. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word and for Acts 19 and all that we learned from it. Help us to be faithful, to teach and preach your word, to make disciples, to advance your gospel. And Father, may your church grow and increase and may your kingdom advance, and may we not be scared off by opposition we might find within our culture, within our family, within our neighbors. Whatever it may be, may we respond with truth and kindness and speaking the truth in love, but may we remain faithful to Jesus through it all, no matter what the cost might be. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for joining me for Acts 19. Tomorrow, we're going to be back in the book of 2 Kings. Have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.